freaking auto! This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Ward, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, final hour for us today. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports here on 710seattlesports.com. Brock's got a uh, Seahawk and football-related ranking, excuse me, but uh, 9.45 today, so stick around for that. No music today. Well, there'll be mm-hmm. some music, but just in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get to any of that, it was a good conversation there with Jerry DePoto. Uh, maybe you heard him describe Dominic Canzone's swing. Scantha Beantha? It was not Scantha Beantha. He used three letters. Justin, what were the three letters? NPB. Do you know what he meant? Why did he say Canzone has an NPB swing? It's like a non-power batting stance or something. Couldn't like be farther off. Ah! I'm going to say Scantha Beantha. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's always good to land on Scantha Beantha, but I think what we're talking about here is Nippon Professional Baseball. Oh, talking really? about the I Japanese that, league. And that's what I looked at. Yeah, Japanese league that like, he's got a swing what? that maybe you see more of and more commonly in Japan where you sort of coil up and then snap the swing almost like a rubber band. Yeah. So that that is what I think Jeremy meant. When I Googled it, that's what popped up and I was like, there's no yeah. chance. That's what he meant. Yeah, NPB. <laughs> yeah, that it's the type of swing you might see more in Japan. It. Okay. It's sort of the Sadahara O swing, like what he's credited ah, with. So there you go. Yeah. I got Always you. learn something with that, Jerry. Those yeah. 30 minutes, man, how much time there. he gives us. My mind went three different ways other than NPB, the Nippon Baseball, Professional Baseball. Uh, my mind went three different directions, and I want you, Salky, if you wouldn't mind, to play cut number nine. I'm going to attach something here to what Pete Carroll said yesterday about Bobby Wagner, voted captain. Pete asked, obviously, about the leader in the middle. Here's mm-hmm. what he had to say. He did do that. However, they all looked to him, you know. I mean, it, and so he did it in a, a really humble way and, and handled it really well and gave space and, and all of that and reinforced the young guys and all. Um, but when it gets down to it, they know who the man is, you know, and so it was pretty obvious. I'd be very curious if the Mariners, 26 guys, maybe their 40-man roster, and maybe Scott and Manny and – and in the in Perry and 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 the rest had to vote on on a captain. If they had to vote on a captain of this Mariners team in 2023, which they don't, that's not a baseball thing. It is Sometimes not a baseball teams have thing. captains, mm-hmm. but generally they don't do it like football. There's no vote. There's nothing like that. If they had to all cast one mm. ballot, who would be the captain on this team? I played that cut because I am leaning more and more into JP. Mm. That JP allows, now some of this is, he doesn't allow, Julio is the star. He's the absolute stud. He's the absolute, one of the best players in all of baseball. So from a pure talent standpoint, it is Julio's show. But from just a humility standpoint, just to, I don't need the mouth, I don't need to be the face, I don't need to be the mouthpiece, and I'm much more comfortable just kind of being the guy back here, but I'm the fire starter. Don't kid yourself. I'm the one that stirs the drink, and I'm the one this year that uh, you know took it on my own initiative to go change, which is my second point, the willingness to go and do that is a guy that's been paid, is a veteran. Mm. No, man, I know that I can I can get more. That, to me, reeks and smells of a mighty aroma of a yeah. captain. I think you've got four guys that, that would be up for that conversation, right? It would be JP, Julio, Gino, and Cal. My guess is those would be the four guys that would be in that conversation and all for completely different reasons mm-hmm. because all four of them, I think, bring very different things. Who would to be the your table. vote? No pitchers? 
I, I don't think pitchers could be captains. I, I think they just huh. just the way not that they don't occasionally lead, but my experience around baseball is that pitchers aren't leaders the same way. And that doesn't again, they can have some leadership qualities, but they don't lead the team. Yeah, they lead the pitching staff. Yeah, they might, yeah. and they sort of operate in their own world, but a leader of a team has to be a, a hitter. Service pick Robbie Ray to address the team. Last he did. Year Absolutely. Time. Yes. And and again, there are there are exceptions to that rule and there are guys that can can find ways to lead despite it. But in general, they they're just not viewed that okay, way. You cast your ballot. Who would you vote? If uh, if Salk, Mora, Justin, and myself had to cast our ballot, I'm really struggling with this question, Brock, and and I'll tell you why. I think that without really seeing what they're like behind the scenes, yeah, we're really judging based yes, on sir. what we've heard and what we assume. Mm-hmm. And I'm really struggling with that. I'm not saying I can't come up with an answer, but I think there's a reason to pick any of those four guys with Cal and and JP and Gino and Julio. If you do it like a hockey team would, you'd give it to the you know veteran. <laughs> you know what I mean? You'd yeah. probably go to Cal maybe or to or to Gino. If you're doing it like a baseball team, I, I get. I think you're probably right that it's that it's JP, and some of it is watching him get the ball thrown over to him to throw into the crowd after every inning, and some of that stuff that he sort of gets honored with. Mm-hmm. So I think in a lot of ways it's JP. But I, I don't know that he does it all by himself because I think all four of those guys yeah. represent different parts of it. No, that. and I think that's totally fair. And it's 100% speculative. And I bet even if you ask Ryan Divish and Shannon Dreyer and Goldie and all the guys and Rick and that are around him and travel with him, maybe they would have some different opinions. And they, too, would probably say, hey, man, at the end of the day, I'm not terribly comfortable because I'm not all on the inside of it. But it just smells. In 2020, it was JP. It's why they rewarded him. It's why they extended mm-hmm. him. It's why they believed in him. Some bumps in the road, some of the challenge in execution, having to go and fix some of the things within his swing, and now taking off in a career year. Whew, he has been an absolute stud. Man, I, uh, I, go, so, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's still Gino. For me, if for me the, the captain was the guy who had the ear of the best player on the team. Like, who can we get to our superstar? And that to me has been Gino. Yeah. Like, you saw Gino went and hug Julio when he lost his mind in the dugout. You see Gino go to the mound when needed. You've seen Gino be the guy to be as mad as anybody when dudes are getting drilled. So, yeah, I think there's a very real. Mm. It's who has the ear of the the heartbeat of the team. (laughs) I'm with you, Rock. I mean, we had last year Scott Service called JP the quarterback of the team. Yeah. See, I think JP goes to Julio. I think JP goes to a Eugenio. I think JP goes to the pitchers. I think JP to that point. You're right. Visually, what we have seen with a Eugenio, but he's a good We've vibes seen guy. Gino. Yep. He is a good vibes guy, but I'm getting the sense there's maybe a little more to it than just good vibes only all the time. And the, I don't know. It's a really good debate. I, I think the great news is, and Cal obviously is the catcher and leading that mm-hmm. pitching staff and some of the sort of quiet determination that he brings to it. I guess the good news is you don't have to answer this question because they don't need to choose a captain. Well, and you wouldn't have to pick just one, right? The Seahawks had six. That's true. Giants mm-hmm. have ten. I like th- mm-hmm. I like that they've got this group of four, though. And it, it's interesting. Yeah. After all the time we spent at the beginning of the year lamenting their lack of a veteran leader, these four guys, each in their yeah. own way, seem to have really grown up into it. You know what, though? Baseball's so weird, and we know so little. You'll end up like having a story later from a from, – you know, you'll talk to Scott in like two years, and it'll be like – you know who actually was the secret leader of that team was so and so. You're like, really? I didn't know he had anything to do with it, right? He'll come yeah. in and be like, yeah. As it turns out, like it really was Tom Murphy who was the like glue behind everything. You're like, 
Okay. I mean, it, yeah. it does happen that way sometimes. Okay, I'll give you one other little tidbit that jumped out to me, and in its relation to a new story of the last month, and that's our guy Steven Strasburg. Strasburg, who had to retire, who's gotten his big contract, who, if you remember way back when, coming off Tommy John, as Jerry DePoto said, we're just not in this business of a finite number. Once he gets to these innings, we just shut him down, right? Because there is no good answer when it comes to these arms, when it comes to protecting them, when it comes to growing and developing them, right? We're looking out for Strasburg's best interest. We're going to shut him down. He's not going to be in a playoff run. This is going to be the best thing, and you have no idea. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to woo, when it comes to these inning limits, right, with Logan, with George, with Bryce, with woo, with these young guys, there's not just one way to do it, and there is no exact science, and you've got to feel it out. But I do love that he, Jerry, and Scott are on the same page. Like, you're here. I don't care that you're pooped. You're here. You're going to work through these growing pains because there is no better, no better long-term answer than gaining that experience. I'll tell now. you what, though, they could really, really use this this pitching staff specifically. Like a this rotation. or a Marco or a Robbie. Well, they could or... just use the rotation to right now go through and pitch into the seventh inning every yep. single day for five days Come on, Luis. And, and score some runs and just give them an opportunity. It's going to be tough. Tampa's not going to give you a lot of opportunities to score runs, and they're going to score some themselves. But, geez, would it ever really help this team to be able to do it? All right, great stuff from Jerry. Uh, Coming up here, we'll give you everything you need to know, including trying to figure out what it is the Seahawks did yesterday with Jamal Adams. Don't go anywhere. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, we just spent some time talking about him. An unbelievable season for J.P. Crawford, and it just continued yesterday. And again, the 2-2 to Crawford. Swinging a well-hit ball deep to right field. Way back, and goodbye baseball. J.P. Crawford with his 15th home run of the season. It's a three-run home run here in the top of the fourth, and it's now the Mariners' six, and the Reds' one. Yeah, that's great. And 15 home runs in the year, everything he's done to just improve his uh, bat speed and ability to be swing out there. Efficiency, game in, game okay? out. Swing efficiency, Mike. It's about swing efficiency. Swing efficiency. The path, the path efficiency. Well, he's always hit the barrels. It's just pretty simple. It's not that hard. Don't overthink it. He's hitting that barrel a lot more, I'll tell you that much. (laughs) Ty France also yesterday with two big hits, and he's a guy they really need down the stretch. Yeah, I've been working a lot um, just trying to find my swing. Um, You know, and today I felt felt like I was on time. I was swinging at the right pitches and laying off, you know, good good pitchers' pitches. So, um, yeah, just trying to get – get some some rhythm and momentum going on or going into the next couple weeks what'd you make of logan gilbert yesterday brock solid solid yeah i mean i think that word from jerry is a good one pooped man you've said tired just the entirety of the team but especially these arms you have to remember and one of my buddies said this to me like man look back to the start of the year there was flexing as your six there's marco there's robbie ray right and there was supposed to be this hey You know, let's get Logan and George to the finish line. But if we have a chance every once in a while to skip them, and they're Mm -hmm. still young. And now they are on the forefront, man. Now it is Luis. Now it is George. And now it is Logan. Michael Jordan to go. 23 games. That is it. And those three in their final 
four or five starts have got to step up in mighty, mighty ways. Well, they're going to have to do it now in Tampa Bay. A really good baseball team, well-built, well-designed. They can pitch, they can hit, they can do just about everything. And that bullpen is tired, and all four of their top guys did pitch the last few days, so that's going to be a bit of a challenge for them. Fortunately, the Rangers are just in a free fall, man. Unbelievable. They've lost 16 of 19 games. And they just got their doors blown off in all three games at home against Houston. It's really unbelievable what's happened to them. Blue Jays lose yesterday as well. So Mariners are one game behind Houston, two up on Texas. The other good news, and you heard it there from Jerry, Jerry Kelnick doing very, very well, hitting the cover off the ball in Tacoma and getting a whole lot closer to returning. Sounds like it's still not going to be in Tampa, that they don't want to send him across the country to go do it but that when they get back here at home next week, I would be very surprised if Jared Kelnick is not in the lineup. Here's the second thing you need to know. I thought Brock was going to say something about that. I guess not. Bro, we got, um, we're on a time, okay? We have three need-to-knows. We have a certain amount to do it. Get to number two. <laughs> and by the way, a dear friend of ours texted me and said, hey, I'm driving right now. Tell yeah. Salk to pick one. Come on, how do you not pick a captain? For crying out loud. I don't want to. I don't want to pick a captain. How about that? What dear friend? What dear friend of ours sent that? I want to know who it is. I'll let you know during break. You want? You're afraid to tell me? Yes. Wow. Interesting. I keep my privacy private. Okay. Uh, Seahawks, good injury. Good injury. No, not really. Good injury (laughs) report coming out yesterday. They're not going to have too many guys hurt. I mean, it sounds like Jackson Smith and Jigba is going to be ready to go. He was a full participant. Uh, Morris, Hall, Taylor, and Witherspoon all practiced at least to some extent. Uh, Pete gave a little update on Witherspoon. I just had a few plays. He did fine. He he made it through, and he's ready to go today. He wants to get out there and uh, and take a lot more uh, work, so we'll see. Is he suited to play? You know, physically, does he can he endure? You know, and, and all that. Um, so, and it's a it's a hammy that's it's had you know two shots at it over the last few months and stuff. So we gotta be careful with it. Make sure that we get him back and uh, he can trust that he can go. You know, he's a really fired up kid. He's not gonna hold back. He's not gonna measure how he goes. And so we gotta make sure that he's right. And so uh, we'll see how the week goes and, and we'll just determine it later on. I've seen you sort of chuckle each time you've heard that, or at the very least show he's some fine. surprise. What are you, what are you hearing there? He's fine. Okay, get off Pete's back. This is Pete and John love this guy at number five. He's going to be fine, but he does have two dings on a hamstring. And the third one, if if this were to get tweaked yet again, you're talking, I don't know, you may be talking months. You may be talking about a lost season. So they are going to be very, very careful. Devin Witherspoon is a lot like friends that we all have. There's two speeds, on and off. There is no middle gears. He is going full bore, full speed, or he's off. And with players like that, you love them, right? They love ball. They love to play. But you have to be the one to govern that. And until that hamstring is fully, fully back, mm. we're not going to see him. We're not going to see him this week. Probably not going to see him next week. But certainly hope to see him when it really matters into October, November, December. Wow, that's uh, quite the uh, prediction. A couple You're other welcome. things yesterday from the Seahawks. Uh, captains named Gino and Tyler and Bobby and Quandre and Nick Ballore, and then throw Jason Myers' name on that list. And then, and we'll discuss this in a little bit more depth, Seahawks re... Uh, I keep Configure. screwing up the word. Re, no, it's not reconfigure. Restructure. Restructure. Thank you, it's Jamal. Both. They restructure Jamal it's Adams' both. contract. And uh, I'm still not sure I fully understand exactly why or what that means. Here's the third thing you need to know. NFL football tonight. You ready? I'm ready. 
I'm ready. I'll be in beautiful aim. Am I in heaven? No, you're just in Iowa. <laughs> I'll be in beautiful aim. I mean, Mora goes in vacations in Iowa. Right. Crying out loud. If yeah. She can tell you where to go. You can get some of that, uh, <laughs> some of that Red Bull with uh, with syrup. Yeah. Oh, really yummy. Some no, I'll be watching that. I'll be energy drink. Uh huh. I'll be hunkered down watching it. Is Detroit good? I mean, is this a new world that we live in, that the Honolulu Blue doesn't just go into Lambeau at the end of the year last year and beat them? I mean, are they they going to go in? I'm going to have to see it before I believe it. So if they go into Lambeau and get your Seahawks in the playoffs to end the season, and then they go into Arrowhead in week number one, how much choo-chooing on the hype train is there going to be? A lot. Yeah, it's going to be a big-time hype train at that point. Who's the quarterback? It's still Jared Goff, right? Yes. Right, like we're still that excited about a team being led by Jared Goff. What am I missing? He led a team to a to no, he didn't. A Super Bowl. He was with a team. He was with a team that went to a Super Bowl appearance. Bet the house. He was with a team that went to a Super Bowl. Yeah, you just no. I'm just saying, like I want to see it. Fire this, Justin. It. Fire the sound. Fire the I'd sound. I'd like to see it before I believe it. I'm not quite there yet. That's everything you need to know. Quarter past every hour here on the Brock and Salk Show. Trying to remember, did he bet for or bet against the Lions last year? Me? What was that? I think yes. I, I might have gotten that one wrong. <laughs> I'm not sure. I might, people seem to want to let me know um, about it. How far off do you think he was from Geno's numbers, yardage and touchdown wise? Me? Last year, yeah. Well, we we bet on that? No, how you? Because you don't think he would. You don't think he was that good? Like, how far off do you think he was? Wait, I don't. Wait, I didn't say Gino's not good. No, you, Jared, no Goff. Jared Goff. How oh, far I thought you said, you said Gino. Oh, I, I said how far oh, off yeah. do you think he was oh, from yeah. Gino's numbers last year? Uh, um, I don't care about numbers. <laughs> They're wearing Lions uniforms. The you? other team will be wearing Packers uniforms, <laughs> and the game will be played in Lambeau Field with Aaron right. Rodgers on the field. Right. Not even a convert. Like, there's no reason to even discuss it. <laughs> we have the whole montage. I mean. <laughs> Do we? So, oh. was I, so uh, just a question. Was I right or wrong? <laughs> I really wish uh, when I was wrong, people would let me know. It's too bad. House, no, bet the mortgage, yeah. bet your job, uh-huh. bet your wife, bet your kids, bet your husband. Right. Whatever oh, you need to do, yeah. put that money on the Packers to win outright because right. it's going to happen. Yeah. He threw for 156 more yards than Geno and one less touchdown last yeah. year. Wow. So. Wife, kids, and husband? Yeah. Yeah, nobody left. No, that's it. Just bet everybody. And that's fine. You're, You're probably... Still- Giving them zero or zero point one percent. Lions, yeah, zero. <laughs> so again, it seems like people are very interested in telling me when I'm wrong. Only only thing I can take from that is that I am uh-huh. right so often that on right. the off chance that I am wrong, everybody right. gets really yeah. excited to or let me know about you're it. So obnoxious when you're right. That people can't wait for the time you're wrong. See, I view it the other way. I view it as I'm so obnoxious when I'm right because everyone else is so obnoxious whenever I'm wrong that then I have <laughs> oh, to, like, fight back about it. It's a chicken or the egg situation. No, yeah. I think it's very simple. You guys are all mean, and I do my very best to try to combat that. That's it's, it's a physical impossibility <laughs> for the Detroit Lions to go to Lambeau Field uh, in January in a game that matters to the Packers and beat Aaron Rodgers. How dare you play my own sound of me? That is ridiculous. How dare you, Mora? We'll be right back. It's Justin Brock and Salk. It. Oh, it was uh, just, no, Justin. Justin, how dare you? She pulled all that how out. dare you both? It's just not nice. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. A lot of texts on me being wrong, unsurprisingly. Although the 310 <laughs> says, I agree with Salk on Salk. Well, thank you. 360 says, no, Salk, you're wrong 75% of the time. We just roast you when your bad takes are audaciously bad. Oh. 
That's not nice. This is so much better than listening to Salk gloat when the Mariners win a game. I thought you would enjoy when the Mariners win a game, but I know when you've been rooting against them all year, that happens. (laughs) And then uh, finally, uh, Salk, you're a D-minus host. We all know this now. (laughs) Thanks, Passon. Really, really appreciate you telling everybody that this week. That was really... Really, really, really great. All right. Um, Brock's going to do rank today, coming up in about 15 minutes, getting us ready for the football season. Uh, Also, sheesh. You know, I can't win for trying today. Everywhere I go, I'm just taking grief from one part or another. I was cheering for Brock. You were not. I know you. Don't even try. Don't even try that. How dare you? Um, I want to come back to some sound, uh, Brock, over the course of the day today, and it was really cool talking to Mark Sanchez. <laughs> I-, I really enjoyed him. I think he's a really good guest, and I think he does a really good job on uh, on the broadcast. He'll be doing it on Sunday, and I'll tell you, he really likes Pete Carroll, which mm-hmm. I thought was pretty cool. Here's a little of Sanchez talking about Pete. He's such a special guy and such a unique personality in which he can have 10 million things going on at one time. And when you talk to him, you feel like you're the only thing and you're the most important thing. And uh, that's what you need to recruit. That's what you need to motivate players. And that's Coach Carroll's wheelhouse and his sweet spot is connecting to people and motivating people and getting people to accomplish a goal and share a struggle together and persevere. Whether you win or lose, just persevere through it, get better for it, and then go get them again. And so that's it's a special it's a special uh trait that he has to be able to do that and i don't know if i've met anybody like him can i confess something to you personal confession time i don't think i've ever ever said this i don't have any regrets in my life about how anything of it, any of it has gone i really don't mike but golfing with damon and coach peterson a couple weeks ago it was really fun and just a lot of back and forth and any football fan would have just loved being a fly on the wall, listening to all the different stories, right? Just different questions back and the forth. And, you know, I, I pinged Chris with four or five of them that I don't even know if he's ever been asked, right? And then he fired a few back. And then Damon, I mean, it was such a, it was such a neat three or four hours. Mm-hmm. And, and golf affords you that opportunity, right, of, of conversation. True. And he said, who is the greatest coach you ever played for? And, and he asked Damon and I that. And Damon's like, well, I mean, I played for some pretty good ones. I played for Belichick. I mean, Jimmy Johnson's a Hall of Jim Famer. Johnson. Belichick's going to be a Hall of Famer. Like, played for a couple. Don James, Hall of Famer. Like, yeah, I played for some pretty darn good ones. And this is no shot whatsoever. And obviously, Tony Dungy's a Hall of Famer. I was going to say, I would think experience. your answer is either Tony Dungy or your dad. And Yeah. And Mike Holmgren is a fringe Hall of Famer. And there's many that believe. And there's probably a case to be made. A couple Super Bowls with a couple different teams. One one there in Green Bay and nearly a second in Seattle. And, and he was so accomplished and a great play caller. And you love making fun of him with me. And maybe he treated me for me. I don't, just, well, I don't like making fun of him. I honestly just think he was the wrong coach for you. For my wife. Yes, yes for I, think, my I think that if you I've said this a few times and I'll say it again for those who are somewhat new to the show because probably been a few years since I've mentioned this and I, I really do believe it. I think Brock went to the wrong place and the wrong coach and with your talent and your arm and John Schneider has told us on multiple occasions that Brock had one of the best arms he's ever scouted along with Brett Favre. That's a that is a statement from John Schneider, the scout. 
I don't think that Mike Holmgren, with A, his offensive style, and B, his coaching style, was right for what you do well and who you are. And I, I get that now with a sense of you know being able to look back, right? I wasn't here at the time. But it actually feels fairly obvious to me that it just wasn't a good fit. And that that's all fine arm-wise. But what that conversation was with Sanchez is the wiring my head also needed. Right is is a guy that uh, played high school football there, kind of in the fishbowl and everything else, following Damon and Billy, and it was awesome. And then going to Washington and and playing on some amazing teams early, and then getting the just the crud kicked out of me my last year in every way, right, emotionally and physically and fundamentally and all of it. And I needed a a, a, a true reset. And mm-hmm. I think to myself at times as I watch Pete and the way that he operates, and in those team meetings, and in the competition of it, and frankly. So there's coaches that my girls have had over the years and Titus has had that I don't tell them ever what to do, ever, ever, ever. Now that I'm in the fire, I will even more so <laughs> never tell them what to do. But I do encourage them with, hey, if you thought about this, man, when I watch Pete from afar do this, you need competitive environments. You know, so many of these teams want to script for success and set up for success and not put them in difficult environments behind the scenes. Jerry made such an astute point that I have never thought of. Jerry DePoto an hour ago, and he said, baseball is different than every other sport you play. You don't practice. These other sports you practice, and you have so much time behind the scenes. And all of the methodologies that Pete does to get the very best of his guys and the competitions behind the scenes, like, man, what if I would have had that reset with him? The willingness to be vulnerable, the willingness to be exposed myself, the willingness to fail, the willingness to, you know, get in. in yeah, I'll go. I'll, I'll shoot. Let's go. Let's get in this team room and a three point contest. And maybe I go for 15, but who cares? Have the willingness to just go for it. Mm. And he does that, man. And uh, well, he also, Brock, in addition to that element of it is the part of, hey, let's build around strengths. And, you know, adapting and not being so arrogant to say that everyone's got to adapt to them instead saying, I'm going to adapt to the people and their best skills. And it's the thing that I think Pete and Bill Belichick share most in common. And it's funny because they are so different in so many ways. Certainly their attention to detail and, you know, their positivity their, their, versus their negativity. Attire, right. I mean, their like, sprints. A, a million ways they're different. Personalities. But there's a few ways in which they're very the same. Obviously, both defensive coaches. And one of them is I, I think they both do a very good job of adapting to the personnel they have around them. And yes. one guy's gotten a lot of credit for that. The other guy has not for whatever reason. But, yeah, if you'd played for Pete Carroll, I found myself thinking about that with Mark Sanchez while he was talking. What if Mark had played for Pete Carroll when he was in the league rather than with the Jets organization? Could he have had a different career as well? I mean, that's a guy who was talented enough to take a team to the AFC Championship game, a couple of AFC Championship games, if I'm not mistaken. And what if he had played for Pete Carroll instead of the dumpster fire in New York? You may not remember this. I do, as I was starting to cover college football back then. I mean, you remember part of that story. Pete wanted Mark to come back another year. Mm. Like, you needed another year. Mark was a one year starter in Mm. college one year you know we were talking to sark the other day in our production meeting about his qb room qb room in texas right now is arch manning (laughs) right (laughs) 
Arch Manning, the, one of the biggest names and, and the most heralded recruit and NIL money through the gazoo. And obviously a, a dad and an uncle that, uh, or, or two uncles, and his dad was a talented player before injury, but right in, and, and grandpa, all of it. Arch Manning, this other dude that's Malik Murphy, that's 6'6, 250 and throws the ball 90 yards from Southern California. And Quinn Ewers, the highest rated five star, right? Three years ago. That's your QB room. And Benetti's like, do you have any concern how you're going to manage this? <laughs> And Sark had a great answer. He's like, well, Jason, not really. Because when I was at USC, and he rattled off those rooms. And it's like, we've been there. I watched Pete do this. I, I got a pretty good feel. Like, yeah, there was Carson Palmer, Matt Leinart, Mark Sanchez. Like, you just went through that list. You're like, oh, my gosh. And then he goes, well, in Alabama, remember, I had Tua, Mac Jones, and Jalen Hurts. So I kind of got a feel for how to to manage this and, and how to operate. And as you said, put the guys in the best position for their skill sets. So they've been there and done it, and it just reminded me, as Mark said that, how you know, you wouldn't say who your captain was on this Mariners team. In your years of covering sports, if I were to say who is the greatest coach that you have covered, that you have been around, you could probably put that list together pretty quick. Right? I mean, Bill's going to be there with five Super Bowls. I, I, I have I mean, been come incredibly on. lucky to have been around and covered three of the best to ever do it in their respective sports. I mean, I've been really lucky to be around Bill Belichick a little bit, to be around Pete Carroll a lot of bit, and to be around Terry Francona. Three guys that do it all incredibly differently. I mean, all three of them are very different. But I am I'm very lucky to have been around all three of them, and all, all three are special in their own way, yeah. Yes, in that connective tissue that Mark talked about that Pete has, that he goes a million miles an hour, he's still running, he's still chomping. I'm watching that video of him announcing the captains, yeah. and I am just chuckling at this nearly, what is he, 72 this month? And it's just, there's no difference in 52, and probably no difference when he was 32, right? Bouncing around, and the joy he has, and and... That ability to connect. They do it differently. He's probably the most like, or Tito's probably a line like that. Bill wasn't that way. I don't know. I don't know if Tito's quite like that. He can be a grumpy bear as well. Oh, can he too? Yeah. All right. He yeah. can be a little bit of a grumpy bear. He's an old baseball guy, right? Chewing yeah. on stuff. <laughs> Get Millsy out there. And yeah, I mean, Tito's, Tito's got a little grumpy bear to him as well. Do it differently. No one, no one quite built like Pete, that's for sure. So now he's going to go up against Brock this yep. week, one of the great young coaches in the game, Sean McVay. And we were talking about him earlier. I mean, first couple of years, you get a chance to see how brilliant McVay was. You know, last year, everybody gets hurt. They're now on the downside of that going for it cycle. How seriously do you take the Rams this year? You and I both said a couple of weeks ago that we were kind of had our eye on them. Like, hey, is this team actually going to be sneaky good? I asked Mark the question earlier. Are they a sleeper? Or are they just asleep? Who are they? They are more of a sleeper to me. Right? In, in last year's evidence. Still a little dangerous. The, I mean, how can last year's evidence in our own market, when you're a great coach in a good, solid organization that's won a Super Bowl, okay? And I'll put Kevin Demoff and Sneed, and they've had continuity together. They've been at this thing. How can you not watch what happened last year in Seattle when you're supposed to be the worst of the worst, when you're supposed to win five games, when you're, you know, from a talent roster and you're 31st in the league? Like, how can you not look at experience last year and go, be careful, be careful ever assuming anything in this league when you have great horsepower at the top of the organization mm-hmm. and McVay's an excellent coach? Yep. Big difference between them. I think for 72 years of his life, Pete has never thought of doing anything else. 
McVeigh the last two has thought maybe I should retire yeah, and funny. go be John and go be John Madden. It's funny that you have that that go in that direction with it. I just look at you know at the end of the day, yes, you can get the most out of the talent you have, and I'm not saying the Rams don't have talent just because I don't know who these guys are. They may be super talented, but I'm I'm certainly under the impression that they are feeling the hangover effect right of what they did and all the moves they made and all the draft picks they traded away you can do a great job drafting but a fifth round pick is not first round picks and they traded away all their early picks when i watched colorado and tcu saturday first quarter of my hotel room i went wow this is different first kickoff colorado is flying Mm -hmm. and they are the hitter not the hitty as they have been first series is a three and out and they're hitting people first series offensively is down the field third down conversion in the red zone for a touchdown like wow this is different. When we watch Sunday, and I know you preview it more tomorrow, and I'll try to jump in for Blue 88, we preview this game a little bit more tomorrow. Like, you better see it at the line of scrimmage. Mm. You better see it right away. These guys in January ran for 108 yards on you with lesser, right, a lesser name, a quarterback, some lesser names in some of those spots as they were battered and badgered and hammered and out of it and done. Like in that first quarter, you better feel the force of your O-line handling Aaron Donald and the Rams in a way you never have before. Well, that's the thing, bro. I think their offense is still going to do some things, the the Rams offense. I think you got to get to that defense, and and you got to find a way to move the ball on a group of guys that don't have just really the same talent level. And by the way, you're young. I love that you're young. We talked to Mark Sanchez about it, asked him specifically about all the youth on this team. Well, I think it's an advantage for the Seahawks because – their players that are second-year players have a ton of experience. Think about the two tackles that played last year. Think about Reek Woolen. Think about Kobe Bryant. I mean, those guys played a ton of snaps. Yes, second-year players, but, you know, it's interesting because everybody's like, oh, it's the youngest roster in the league. And I'm like, okay, what does that mean? Okay, well, most players under 25. Well, I don't care if he's 25 or 24 or 23. I want to know how much football he's played. I want to know how many reps he's had under center in this system with this coordinator. It's funny. All you guys sound the same. Sanchez, Hasselbeck, Orlovsky. It's interesting listening to all these quarterbacks, Brock, and there's a lot of similarity in the way they talk and the way they view the world. Time on task, man. Yeah. There is no substitute for some of those connective tissues that come with experience and experience together, and we better feel that Sunday. Nice. Right? You better feel it's dangerous. The Rams and McVay are a dangerous first foe of the season. Every team is. But you better feel the force of these Seahawks up front. You better feel it early. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. All right, as we get ourselves ready for the opening night tonight of the NFL season. How about that? Chiefs. Lions. It's not even uh, Thanksgiving, and the Lions are playing on Tigers and Bears. Oh, my. Unbelievable. Brock, what are you ranking today? I'm sorry, Larry. 3,000 miles away. I know you love the Brock and Salk show, Mr. Larry Salk, and the music and everything else. I know. I know, because this is a traditional one. But, Maura, you are welcome. (laughs) I'm only going to give you three honorable mentions, and then I'm going to rank the five environments. As we sat there and chatted with Mark Sanchez, not going to lie, a little jelly, because I'd love to be in Iowa Saturday for the Seahawks, Iowa, Iowa State game, and then Red Eye back and, and do the Seahawks and Rams opener on Sunday, because Lumen is going to be rocking. And it got me thinking 
of ranking the top five environments for me to call a game. This isn't as a player. This isn't as a fan. This is just me doing my job as a broadcaster, walking into a stadium and okay. going, yeah, yeah, this is this is on like Donkey Kong. Honorable mention, mostly because I've never been one of the few Power 5 places. I have never been. I've never been to Virginia Tech mm. and experienced Enter Sandman. That place with the limestone. Woo! Does it ever rock? So the opener would get the get the water moving. But the problem is the Hokies haven't been that good. So over the course of the game, probably not. Not in my top five. Why don't you just go see Metallica, which I've done a few times. They sound great playing Enter Sandman. Well, they're coming in 2029, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> just go see Metallica when they come back, and you can see Anderson. You don't need to go to Virginia Tech. You just see Metallica. I have been, that's an honorable mention, All I have right. been to Happy Valley a number of times. Kind of a rickety old stadium. Pretty crazy. It's like an erector set. You were big in erector sets, right? No. Uh, yeah, you are. Growing up, big erector set guy. <laughs> no. Penn State Stadium. It's kind of like that, man. It is... It's just jerry-rigged. you got to take this hallway and that old elevator, and then you got to cross over this catwalk, and then you get up to the booth. I'm not a call to whiteout. Go ahead. Fire the whiteout sounds. Oh, Zombie Nation. This is your song. Oh, gosh. You love Zombie Nation. I am glad there is not a camera on me in the booth because I kind of lose my mind every once in a while. That place would get me losing it. It is awesome. Uh, that is an honorable mention. The last honorable mention, not in my top five. I have been here. It's just for preseason games when Seattle goes and visits the Minnesota Vikings. <laughs> but when they get this going. Oh, Skull, right? Is that what they are? Oh, so good. And then the big horn at the end. Yeah, oh. I like the big horn. It's gone. The communal element of these environments. The new, uh, their new stadium looks really nice. Too. It is so cool. Really cool. There it is. looks like a Viking ship. <laughs> it's it very cool. Awesome, and it's like all glass on one yeah. side. Like that place. Very cool underrated. Town too. I like yeah. Minneapolis. They didn't Super anticipate clean. the amount of birds that would die by running into that. By the way, <laughs> they did. They yeah. no, they did not. Yeah. They did no, not. So like, oh, we got to do something here. Yeah. Kyle Brown loves it. Just number one for that reason. Kyle's like, yeah, it's number one. So there you go. There's some of my honorable mentions out there. A couple that I've been a part of. Top five environments you wish you could be in for the first game of the year. Number five. No sound with this one, but number five is what you will watch tonight. It is the most collegial environment in the NFL. It is not Burrowhead, Justin. It is Arrowhead. That's a night. Yeah. And Arrowhead rocks. On the field, playoff game, sea of red, I could not hear nor talk to Tom Moore next to me during that game. It is that loud. And it doesn't have the cantilever sound. It's not a dome. The sound doesn't bounce back in, but it is dug into planet Earth. It rocks. It is tremendous. Arrowhead tonight to kick the whole thing off. Who's on the broadcast tonight? Who's calling this one tonight? Soon Collinsworth, right? It's NBC, isn't it? Is it NBC tonight? Yeah. Yeah. For Tarico and Collinsworth. Collinsworth? Yeah. That's a pretty special place. So that is number five. Number four. Remember years ago when we went viral, Salk? John Gruden came on the show. Tennessee's coaching job was up for grabs. And Gruden said, "Eh, you know, boys, that Rocky Top is pretty cool. And all of a sudden, all the Tennessee fans thought, is John Gruden going to come back to Tennessee? (laughs) 
Go ahead and fire a little Rocky Top for me, Justin. 106,000. One of the most beautiful checkerboard orange and whites. And your colorblind boy can even see it. And when they run through that tee, and 107,000 on the river in Knoxville, Tennessee is going. That's a great place. That's Justin song. was rolling that in. Yeah, they don't play it. Not knowing Brock, he said, this is a bang. I was like, this song hits. They don't play it like <laughs> that. They don't no, play like, it that folksy. They got no. their band their doing own, it. I was like, this song is awesome. It, it, uh, Osborne it, Brothers, something. It, it rocks. It is so something. That's, that's number four for yeah. me. Uh, number three, two of them professional, is right here, right now, in this place. Swap me out for Mark Sanchez and Kevin Kugler, man, mm. and let me call a game in Lumen Field. And this isn't just Homerville. This isn't wearing Seahawks glasses. This is all of my peers. Hey, man, where do you want to call a game? Give me to Seattle. Give me to Lumen Field. Give me a little Motley Crew. Oh, yeah. Come on now. Come on now. What is it going to be Sunday? Let me see. What are we looking at temperature-wise, weather-wise? Ooh, it kick off Sunday. It's going to be 75 degrees, September in the air, fall in the air. Just as Paul Allen envisioned it when he had his hand in the design of the place, let this place rock. And, man, does it rock. So that's number three on my list. Number two. Do you have any guesses for number two and number one? Uh, knowing me, knowing you? Well, I knew Rocky Top was going to be on there. I know how much okay. you love that. Uh, Green Bay has got to be on here. Okay. Green Bay is going to be on here. But number two is Husky, Baton Rouge. Husky Stadium. Can you picture 100,000 drunk people? Yes. No, you can't. I can't. You picture 100. You may have been around 1,000. You have not been around 100,000 drunk Southerners singing this song no, right that's here. true. No, you haven't, pal. I don't know that I want to. What You've been around song? a live tiger? Like a live tiger? You've been around a live tiger before? No. Call no, yeah. Rouge. That's Garth Brooks. <laughs> So when uh, they, don't push you on the line. I want to talk to the girl just one more time. Hey. So when they call Baton Rouge, and it's 100000 and that place, and it's like the Star Wars bar, man. It's nuts. They fry everything. They eat everything. They drink everything. That place is quite a scene. Mm. But number one, and this is just from a football perspective, too, and I tell everybody in your lifetime, I was hoping to get us there in August. Yeah, you failed. But at like $1,000 plane ticket, I just couldn't quite. And Titus had his first game, too. Man. Couldn't quite do it. Give me number one. <laughs> It's pretty cool, man. It's Fenway. It's Wrigley. It's something about blending the old with the new. It's being in that building. The attention to detail. Every blade of grass. It is the cleanest. It is the prettiest. It is blending the old with the new. You feel like Vince Lombardi is still with you, and yet it's all new uh, Lambeau Field, number one for wow. me. To call I thought again. we were going to get the uh, the turning into cheese from the Cheeseheads with Attitudes. Right. I thought you were going to play. I mean, I know how special this is. I really think so. All right, there you go. That is today's ranked. Mora, did you enjoy it? Mora, you liked that? Was that all right? That's cheese heads with attitudes, Mora. You should know about them. It was sports related and not entirely music. So, yes, I appreciate it. It's a long music. I'm going to talk to you, Blue 88, tomorrow. We're going to get it. Blue 88 tomorrow. We're going to get it. All right, Brady Henderson's going to be in tomorrow. We're going to get ourselves. G will be in, of course. We'll get ourselves ready for the game. Go Mariners today in Tampa. We'll catch you guys tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. Stick around for the huddle. We're bumping Stacy until tomorrow, the hay. See you, everybody. Get to the chopper!